Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Hi, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 56 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I am here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for being here. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate you tuning in and letting me be in your earballs one more time. Now, today's show is pretty cool, and um, it's the first time we've had a component company on the podcast. We are talking to Graham, the owner and founder of Sixth Element. They produce carbon wheels that are hand-built in the UK, And it was great to get Graham on the show. It was actually Tom Bell from a previous show that put me in contact with Graham and thought he would be an interesting guest on the show. And of course he is because upgrading your wheels is probably the first thing you should be thinking of if you're wanting to upgrade your bike. Um, And you're probably going to want to upgrade to carbon, I would think. Um, or at least give that a go. So it was great to get Graham on the show and chat about his wheels and how he goes about producing those, how he goes about building those in store. We chat about everything from the pricing structure to what Graham has available there, the choices you have. The wheels are very bespoke, so you can order really what you want um, to a certain aspect with what is available there. So you can have a different rim to a different spoke to a different hub. Plenty of options. We chat about carbon itself and and how you can get different qualities of carbon, how the workmanship really, really makes a big difference in the quality of product you end up with. We chat about the environmental thing with carbon as well and, and the whole recycle issue that carbon really is maybe starting to create a wee bit with with seeing more carbon products, more carbon bikes, more carbon frames. So we chat about that, and Graham's very open about that, and um, we chat about that a wee bit in depth. And it's pretty cool because it's something we really all should be thinking about when we're buying carbon. So it was great to get his input into that side of the thing. We chat about how you can buy REMS, how you can get in contact. And believe it or not, Graham offers a lifetime guarantee on his REMS. So we chat about that. And, you know, Graham's company, Sixth Element, is awesome because it's one of the companies that if you phone to speak to them about what REM you should probably purchase or if you're not sure what you want when you phone sixth element more than likely you'll probably get graham on the phone or you'll get one of his staff members so it's a real family run feel business it's 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 just great to see that kind of thing in the uk you're getting speaking to the guys on the floor i found that really fascinating and, and really good to know so it was great to get graham on the show Now, if you want to get more involved on the show, you can simply go to the website, mtb-tribe.com. You can find out more there. You can subscribe there, get an email a week with a small synopsis of who's coming on the show and what to expect. You can also get in contact with me directly there and send me an email and let me know what you would like to hear on the show or anybody you would like to hear chatting on the show about certain topics or issues. You can also get involved via socials. 
Instagram and Facebook. We are at MTB Tribe. You can drop me a message there um, and it would be great to get you guys following the show there. I just want to say a big shout out to the guys that listen on iTunes or Stitcher and leave reviews. Uh, share with friends that is the best way folks to help the show just share with friends let them know that it's here that helps the show so much so please do that i appreciate it so without further ado let's welcome graham onto the mtb tribe podcast hi graham welcome to the mtb tribe podcast it's awesome to have you on the day how's things there at sixth element Yes, great. Well, do you know what? The sun is shining, so uh, I'm a happy man. I suppose I'd be even happy if I was out on my bike, but hey, you can't have a thing. Got to do some work sometime. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, it's always the same, isn't it? Um, so you are the founder and the owner of Sixth Element, which is carbon wheels hand built in the UK. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, we we build all our wheels here in Manchester in the northwest of England. Awesome, awesome. Now, I want to get into, obviously, what you do and the benefits of carbon and stuff like that a wee bit later, but I think it's going to be quite interesting for the listeners just to hear a wee bit more about your background. So, can you tell us what kind of area you came from and why you moved into, you know, building your own company? Yeah, sure. So, at its most basic, I've been building things, spanning that sort of working with stuff with your hands for my whole life, um, mainly uh, because I was very driven by the simple enjoyment of building things. So in my early 20s, well, no, my teenage years into my early 20s, I flirted with motorbikes and then I got out of motorbikes and got into rally cars and I spent my 20s um, basically building, crashing, rebuilding cars. And that was great. And I love that. Um, but then family happens and children happen and your wife points out, no, that's not fair. My wife, everybody realizes that, <laughs> that you can't, you can't have multiple cars in various states of disrepair on your driveway yeah. all the time. Um, so I got out of cars, uh, not cause I didn't like them, but because you know, life is like that sometimes. Um, and that's when I really got into bikes. Now I'm in my, my early fifties now. So that was quite some time ago. Um, I still have bits of cars hanging around in my garage because I like them, but that's sort of by the by. Um, so I like, I've always liked riding bikes. Hey, doesn't everybody, but I've also always really liked building bikes and, uh, thinking about how things work and working out how you can make them better. Uh, and the great thing about bicycles is they're not that complicated. And because of that, it means you can do all sorts of things and try all sorts of things generally without fast expense and generally in in you know premises that aren't very sophisticated you don't need some big engineering setup you don't need some load of clever machinery um and and obviously i'm talking about a scale of, of at which i'm working on things that are of interest to me rather than some big industrial scale of you know a main brand building thousands of bikes a year because obviously that's very different that's that's obvious so that's where it came from as a as a generality slightly more specifically i've been building bike wheels for a very long time because of the same philosophy and i think probably don't know five six years ago uh, i started looking at carbon mainly because i was interested um and that was an interest which was more driven at that stage by what my mates and I rode 
more than uh, it wasn't a, a commercial it wasn't a business idea at that stage mm-hmm. um and, and i didn't do anything more sophisticated than buy some carbon rims off various people to start with just off the internet uh, and build them into wheels and work out what was good what was bad what was indifferent and yeah we smashed some at the beginning because uh, well two things really firstly carbon bike wheels bike rims then were in their infancy and secondly because some of them weren't very good and that's just the truth because like anything in this world you can buy a product that's good one that's mediocre and one that one that's bad and that's just life and mm-hmm. of course we all know it doesn't necessarily also equate to how much you pay for them um yes generally you pay for what you get but equally the quality uh, isn't always as simple as a binary if you spend money it's good if you don't spend money it's bad that, that's mm-hmm. that's not the case so uh, I messed about with carbon wheels. Sorry if that sounds very non-technical. Um, <laughs> and then I had one of these nice coming togethers, uh, serendipities is the word I want to use, I guess, um, whereby uh, I was looking for a career change. I'd done 25 years in the corporate world uh, and was looking to change that. Um, I was building wheels, which interested me. But I also realized that there was a real business opportunity here. And that was because I had spent my corporate life building businesses and responding, uh, sorry to be uh, sort of official in my language, but you know, responding to the way that markets changed and focusing market opportunities and all these sort of buzzwords. Mm-hmm. But the reality of what that means is I realized I was really onto something with carbons. And I realized that, yes, there was carbon wheel offerings out there but most of them i thought were hellish expensive and there wasn't that much choice i'm going back you know probably four years now Mm -hmm. um so i realized i was onto something and the more i tested products and the more i looked into it and the more i talked to factories and the more i got dare i say it just serious and into it i realized it was such a sound idea um so basically three three and a bit years ago i took the plunge and i left my desk job and went full-time into doing what we're doing now uh took premises started the business uh and terrible cliche the rest is history you know we 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 are now an established company building carbon rimmed wheels in the uk um using market leading components and for me it's been a wonderful journey and a wonderful experience and and i know i'm getting ahead of myself in terms of where we go next but uh it, what it also does is really give me the ability to look at what else we can do because it never changes mm-hmm. and the bike industry is fantastic at looking at where it should go next and some of the new products are great and some of them don't change very much and having the ability to be part of that is, is something that really motivates me as well. But that, that's a little bit off the subject of where I came from. But you can see how I got into doing this. Mm. Yeah, it seems quite natural in a way. But was was leaving that nine to five, that, that regular income, was that something scary for you? Was, was you know, <laughs> yes. was, Yeah. How did you manage to cope with that? And, and what about friends and family around you at that time, Graham? Were they supportive or even work colleagues? Were they supportive yeah, sure. of your move? So there's a few things that, that feed into that. Uh, the first one is uh, I had reached a point in that life where I was happy to move on. Yeah. I'd, done it for, I'd done it for 25 years um, and it, it, I, I was happy to move on. 
Um, I was very fortunate that in that time I'd made a lot of friends and met a lot of people in a business environment who were happy to give me, whether it's informal or otherwise, advice on what I was doing and particularly the money side. And if you ever, my view is if you ever lose sight of the money side of things, then you need to pack up and go home. Uh, because you can love your product as much as you like, but if you haven't got the money bit right, you're never going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you, you know, it, uh, it's simple, simple life thing, nothing to do with bikes or wheels or anything else. Um, so it took a lot of planning. Uh, I gave my existing organization that I left a very good, very large amount of notice of what I was up to. There was no secrets. I wasn't uh, keeping anything from anyone. Um, and that was a really good thing because it let them plan for me going. It let me plan in a very open way for the fact that I was going. Mm-hmm. And uh, it meant that the transition was very smooth, both in business sense and also, dare I say it, domestically. Um, I do remember very well telling my children what I was up to. And they were initially for a few seconds really very shocked <laughs> because it was like, well, hang on, Dad, you're not going to put on a suit and go to work anymore. What are we going to do? Are we going to starve? Am I going to? have to stop playing football you know and when the answers to those things are no don't worry these things aren't aren't going to change i'm not endangering mm-hmm. those, those things then um uh, they're they're happy about it so um uh from that from that point of view it took a lot of planning it took quite a lot of courage if i can say that about myself yeah. uh but i knew it was the right thing to do and i remember quite well on my leaving do from work uh, you give a little speech like you do in these environments and I remember saying I had a feeling that it was the right thing to do. And in some ways, although that sounded very non-technical, that was absolutely the case. Mm-hmm. I, I knew it was the right thing to do because I knew that I had a really sound product and potentially a very sound business. Yeah. And at that stage, had you had you validated your idea in any way? Had you sold any product? Was Friends writing product? How yeah, did so, you know it was there? How did you know the market was there for you? Yeah, it, 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 part of part of what you've just said. So, we built wheels. Uh, my mates and I rode them. Uh, we rode them as hard as we could. We did stupid things like rode them without any air in the tires. Um, <laughs> That's we, product we, testing there. Yeah, yeah, quite. Uh, we're very lucky. The riding uh, within reach of where we live in Manchester is fantastic in terms of its choice, and some of it is you know pretty extreme in terms of rocky and. Uh, you know good testing ground so we're pretty lucky doing that and of course my mates and I were very happy to spend our spare time riding bikes because that's great yeah and um so yeah so as part of that validation part of it was good old-fashioned business analysis of looking at the market looking at what the potential competition were doing looking at their pricing looking at their products looking at how they sold things so in other words good old-fashioned business planning um, and then the third thing I keep coming back to it was the finance side, looking at how we ran the finances, what we were doing about cash flow, what we were doing about just boring but important things like banking and currency exchange and all those sorts of things mm-hmm. and getting all that right. And I had the great benefit of many years in a corporate environment having to do things, not not all the things like that exactly, but those sorts of things and those basic skills and experience that you had from that environment put me in a, a, a strong position to do that and if i had been doing it as a i don't know 21 year old graduate um you know who hadn't had that experience mm-hmm. yeah certainly and it definitely gives you a, you know what you're getting into in a way so uh, yeah in a, in a way uh, and 
I'm quite a believer in having some basic principles that you stick to mm-hmm. and uh, the ones around, let's call it cash, the ones around business, uh, those are the ones that are really important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how different has the change made thanks to your quality of life then, would you say? <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm so lucky. Uh, I, I, I get to work with bikes all the time. When I'm not working with bikes, I can ride bikes. Um, and uh, we, we get to push the business in the directions we want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, perhaps your listeners who work for large organizations might identify with the way that I felt when I was in a large organization, which was, it was great because you had loads of support in things like, I don't know, accounts, admin, business development, uh, website, applications, all that sort of stuff. Mm. But the, the price you paid for having all that external support was you weren't, of course, in sole or dominant control of what was going on. And you can't be because that, that that's no complaint about large organizations. That's just reality, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, if you, I don't know, if you're chief executive of Tesco, you don't decide everything that Tesco does, do you? You might no, have some ideas, no. but, you know, yeah. uh, that, you, you know, you, you accept that if you work for a large organization, there's lots of other people that have an opinion on what you should do. When you work for yourself in a smaller company that you've started, you have that degree of, it's almost creative freedom. That sounds a bit over the top because I'm not like a musician or an artist. But, you know, if, if you've got an idea and you want to do something and it's a good sound idea, then uh, subject to testing it with people and checking it and testing it again and being sure it's the right thing to do. You've got that ability to do those things. And we do that quite a lot. Um, we just look at it. In fact, we, we literally just launched two new products on our website this week. And we've done that because we think they're the right things to do. And um, the, the ability to do that is something that I really, really enjoy. And the, the other thing that we, on reflection was probably a little of a surprise to me how much I enjoyed it, but I've found to be really, really important was customer reaction. Mm. And when customers send you a note or oh, I don't know, put something on Facebook or, or whatever, you know, the multi- multitude yeah. of ways in which people communicate with, with people uh, that is positive and uh, endorses your product. It's wonderful because mm-hmm. it's that basic human emotion of we produced that product they wanted to spend their money on it they bought it and they were really happy with what happened and and that that feedback is 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 great really that that's a real motivator yeah yeah totally and it's funny because i was going to ask you that a wee bit later you've got great press reviews on your site but you've also got tons of customer reviews as well with yeah. photos off their bikes with the rims on and stuff and you know that's awesome to get that in a, in a company like you like sixth element it just feeds you full of yeah. fire and emotion to continue you know you're doing something right yeah and and the lovely thing for us is we're producing genuinely and i say this without modesty a a wonderful product and it's great mm. because i'm not trying to sell something to people that either isn't very good or they don't really need yeah we don't we don't do hard sell because uh, mm. we, we we don't it, it's it's genuinely a, a wonderful product. And if someone doesn't want to buy it, that's not a problem. Of course it isn't because they don't want to buy it. Um, and and I think it's really, really important that people have a really positive experience, not just of the product when they're using it, but in buying it and then owning it. And 
it's for that sort of reason that we have some very practical things that you've probably seen the videos on the website of around. For example, we don't use stickers on our rims. The decals are part of the rim. And we could do stickers. And there's lots of really good business reasons to do stickers in terms of cost control. But we don't because I think if people are buying carbon wheels, they ought to be entitled to have those wheels for a good long time in a very good state repair uh, without stickers that might peel off or, or fade. Now, that's mm-hmm. a very specific thing, but it is a really good example of why we do what we do and the way we do it. It's not driven by what's the cheapest, easiest production method. Mm-hmm. It's driven by what's the best product we can get in accordance with all the other things we need to do, including a price that we think is reasonable. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, and your wee videos on the site and all are very, very good. They, they actually explain it quite well, you know, for somebody that's wanting to maybe purchase a set of rims. And I love your name, Sixth Element. Now, <laughs> I, am I wrong in saying, is that, does that, is the Sixth Element carbon on the physics? Yeah, well done. Is it? Absolutely is spot that right? on. Go, go to the top of the class. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, the, the reason I say it like that, I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, it, it was uh, my eldest who pointed out to me that the sixth element on the periodic table was carbon. Wow, awesome. And that's where it came from. And that was, oh, I don't mind sharing this because it's sort of amusing with hindsight. I, I, I did think way back that uh, I could look at having a bike brand. This is before sixth element. Mm-hmm. And my eldest, who was quite sort of into these sorts of ideas, he's, he's an engineer, um, he and I had a day and we went down to London um, where we, we said to one another, it's a nice day out, but we're talking about this all day on and off because I'm quite a believer in kicking ideas around, but not in a formal sense because I think it's really productive. Mm-hmm. And that's when uh, he came up with this periodic table thing. And if I'm honest, I've been out of school so very many years that I probably wouldn't have thought of that myself. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. So but but it, it was high on his agenda because he was, you know, as a, a student and uh, someone that uh, was sort of exposed to these elements of science because, you know, that's what he did. So, yeah, mm. you, you, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great name. It, it really is. It just fits it perfectly. So for people out there for the listeners out there graham that don't really don't know what you do or haven't heard of sixth element just tell us a wee bit briefly of what you do and touch on the handbelt thing in the uk if you will because i think that's very important yeah sure so the basic philosophy is carbon wheels dramatically improve your riding experience and and i think that's uh, undeniable and anyone that hasn't ridden carbon wheels i'd invite them to do so Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's demo or otherwise, because they dramatically improve how good your bike riding experience is. Yeah. So uh, is that a rotational weight thing, Graham, or is it? it, it it's um, all sorts of acceleration. What? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's. I, I always, I always encapsulate it in the handling, the acceleration, the cornering is dramatically different, and you will notice that difference the first time you ever ride carbon. And plenty of our customers have never had carbon wheels before and will say, wow, I didn't believe how different it would be. And I think I'd go as far as to say, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. I don't think I've ever had a customer who said to me, I think you're hyping it or it's not like what you say. Mm. I've never I've never had anyone say that, you know, and sort of ring up and say, you know, well, these weren't the great change I thought they were going to be because they genuinely they are. 
So our basic business philosophy is uh, we build hand-built wheels. We don't build them on machines, which lots of other people do, which is their business. And I'm not criticizing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know, if they want to do that and they think that's the best thing to do, that's absolutely fine. And I, I'm sure that's great. And plenty of your listeners will ride wheels that have been made by machines, not people, because that, that is the dominant way in which wheel, bicycle wheels are built. Mm-hmm. Whereas we build everything by hand. We build that here in Manchester. In fact, where I'm stood now talking to you, there's our wheel builder happily on the jig, building building some wheels for a customer. Yeah, it's, I can hear him clanking away in the back. Absolutely. He's busy. He's busy. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> we always are, which is good. Um, <laughs> so that's what we do. And because we build them by hand, we don't hold any pre-built stock. Every single pair of wheels is built according to order. Mm-hmm. But because we've got our supply chains well sorted out, if people are buying one of our reasonable, reasonably standard uh, decal colours, we do three as standard, then they can still have them quite quickly because uh, we, we've got, you know, decent control of of the supply chain for hubs, rims, spokes. Which sort, which sort of is one of the other great benefits of doing wheels and only doing wheels because we don't do anything else, mm-hmm. is that you're not talking about a highly complex set of components list in terms of trying to get, you know, I don't know, need a group set and a seat post and a saddle and a stand. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we build everything to order and if someone wants something that's a bit odd it can always be done it just means it might take a bit longer um so it, the most obvious one of that is we can do decals in literally any color anyone wants at all um so you can match frame colors component colors whatever um but but because the decals are part of the rim it means you have to have them made to order so they take a few weeks to turn up because i have to get the factory to make them mm-hmm. um but and is the factory based? In, so that that's the rim part of the sure of yes. the wheel. Is, yeah. So so the rims so coming from the that? far east. They come in from the far east. Okay. Um, and the truth is, the Chinese and the Taiwanese have got the bike industry component thing absolutely sorted. They, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, it, the vast vast majority of frames and components that are out there on UK trails. And anywhere else come to that have been made in China and Taiwan. Yeah, and there, and, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. And let's not forget that's a huge, huge set of countries in terms of geography and operation and size. So of course you'll get good, bad, and indifferent from there. Uh, and I think we're well past the oh, it came from the Far East, so it must be cheap and cheerful and rubbish. And it, you know, I don't think people really think that anymore. And, of course, there is cheap and cheerful and not very good mm. uh, that you'll get from anywhere on the planet, including the Far East. But in my view, we also have some of the finest factories in terms of their ability to produce quality product consistently and on time and on cost um, mm. at, in China and Taiwan. So, yeah, that's where the rims come from. I, I don't feel any need to try and make out they're made anywhere else. No. Um, there's, you know... <sighs> Yeah, anyone who thinks because it's made in China or Taiwan, it's no good, hasn't perhaps looked into all the fine detail, let me put it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of our hubs, uh, as you know from our site, uh, we, we, we sell hubs that are made in the UK in terms of hopes. Uh, we do North American hubs, uh, Industry Nines and Kings, um, and we do uh, European hubs, the DT Swiss, the obvious example. So the hubs are from, you know, dare I say it, the, the, the leading brands that people want to use. 
Uh, it's those four brands I've just mentioned that dominate our sales. The reality is we do get occasional requests for weird and wonderful hubs, and generally we can accommodate those um, because we generally will have the ability to, to buy those hubs in to order. But those four, those four brands are the main brands we use. And just um, a quick question on hubs there. Um, do, you need, do you need a different type of hub for a carbon rim, or is it the same as you would run on any standard rim? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same. It, it's the same. Um, and uh, all the choice that people have out there for normal alloy rims, they'll have for carbons as well. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we, we generally, it's a very specific point. We generally build with 32 spoke uh, hubs. So some of our wheels are. We have a very lightweight 29er for XC racing, which we build with 28. Um, and occasionally, people will ask us to do things like build a 36. Um, and we we can do all of those things, but a bit like the the different colour decals just takes a bit longer because it means it has to be ordered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And let's chat a wee bit about carbon, if you don't mind. So, is there different grades of carbon? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we use two different grades: T700 and T800. And what's the difference? Can you just explain that to us? Yeah. So the T800 is basically finer weave. So it builds a slightly lighter um, product. Uh, so the T800 is a bit more expensive. So we, it's only used in our, uh, our, our the upper end of, of the, uh, the the range that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that affects the price, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so when I say upper end, I'm, I'm being slightly pompous. Well, say more expensive is a bit, <laughs> a bit more straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so carbon in itself, um, is it a plastic compound or what? Yeah, so, I mean, basically, yeah, yes, it's, it's a composite and, and it's, you know, it's laid up and it's stuck together. That's basically how it works. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, frames are probably a better, almost a better example than rims in, in what I'm going to say now. That, that's why you can have it in such fantastic shapes. And, and you think of the curves we see on, I don't know, Oh, at no point mean they, I don't even name brands. But we can all think of some particularly curvy mm-hmm. carbon, particularly full suffer bikes, and they can do that with carbon. Uh, and you can't do that with steel alloy or, or TI. Um, and it might not be the best solution for every application. And uh, you know, I, I have TI and steel, steel bikes as well as carbon. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that carbon's the only material to use for a bike, uh, but it does mean you can do all sorts of things with it. Um, and the other thing that's really interesting with carbon, which I suppose is, is in common with sort of, I don't know, welding or, or raising or anything, the, uh, the craftsmanship, the quality with which the product is made is really, really important. And it's as important, in my view, as the material that's being used. Yeah, uh, yeah, certainly. And you can see that with bikes. You know, you can get certainly low-graded carbon bikes and high-grade carbon bikes. And and it, the actual material might be the same material. Uh, I, I mean, without talking specifics, I can't say for definite. But it might be the same material, but the craftsmanship and the care with which it's done yeah. and, in, and the process is absolutely key. And that mm-hmm. sort of brings me all the way full circle to what I was saying at the beginning around the research we did uh and the testing we did because it's not it's not enough to just say 
oh, it's okay, it's this grade of carbon, therefore it must be good, or it's this grade of carbon, therefore it won't be good, because that isn't mm-hmm. the story. Uh, and without, frankly, spending a good deal of time standing in people's factories looking at how they're doing it, and anyway, there was, that isn't practical, because most of them wouldn't let you do that, just as, uh, you know, someone coming to have a look for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way is testing, and the only way is to do your homework and yes, you can speak to the factories and you can visit premises and you can, uh, you know, do as much as you can. But fundamentally, you need to do testing as well. Um, and that's no different whether we're doing carbon fiber mounted by wheels or I don't know, I was in the aircraft industry or the auto industry or anything else. Uh, mm. it, 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 a lot of it is down to the craftsmanship. And that's why I'm so happy with the factories that we now use and the way in which we've got those relationships with those people, frankly, on the other side of the world, because uh, you build that bond of, yeah, we can trust what you're doing. And we know that if that quality dips for whatever reason, we'd be able to talk to them about it and say, what's going on here? What's happened? And that that's never happened to date, but I'm always very, very aware that it could do because uh, a bit like building the wheels themselves, you know, you're talking about human nature. You're not talking about machines uh, and you can industrialize and you can formalize a process. But it's still the human nature in terms of how well are you building this? Are you, let's say, five days a week making sure that the quality is always there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point because now I'm just maybe being ignorant about this, um, but. I would think the majority of people, when they think of carbon frames or carbon rims or whatever, that it's the grade of carbon that makes a product better or worse. And the fact that to produce it, it basically goes into a mold. And, you know, that's as simple as the explanation can go. (laughs) So, but you're saying it's the craftsmanship that makes all the difference. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And, and, and lots of it, I mean, in a way, craftsmanship, uh, that is that's that's the right word but also i wouldn't want to suggest that you know these factories producing whether it's frames rims or anything else are somehow a load of artisan blokes in dirty overalls carefully laying out while drinking tea you know these are processes that are industrialized and uh formalized in that way in in a factory environment but there's still processes which are of the quality that the people running those organizations want them to be. Mm-hmm. And that is no different, is it, to anyone that works in any sort of putting something together process. And it sort of comes all the way around to that's why you can get good, bad, and in different grades of most products in this world. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, and of course, you can get imitations of most products in this world. And, you know, it's one of those sort of, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. You see, seem seen lots of signs, especially in sandwich shops, that say, you know, the, the equivalent of "you don't have to be mad to, to work here, but it helps." And, and you, you see some that say <laughs> things like, uh, "There are very few things that you can't build uh, cheaper and quicker, but it doesn't mean they're better," or something like that. So yeah, it's a terrible yeah. cliche, but like lots of terrible cliches, it's true. Yeah, well put, well put. Now that leads us nicely into your lifetime guarantee that you offer because i oh, yeah, yeah. asked you yeah. about that yeah, yeah um so can we talk about that what made you go down that route and offer that guarantee right so we have a very very low breakage rate um and that's not saying things never break because that wouldn't be true everything has a breaking point mm-hmm. um but we thought about it long and hard because you could say well commercially what are you doing you're guaranteeing things forever 
And it doesn't matter if someone's broken it, you're still guaranteeing it. And my attitude is, yes, because while some things will get broken, and yes, we do have people that break our wheels because it happens, that breakage rate is so low to give us the confidence that we can Mm -hmm. say to people, as long as you're prepared to play your part and formalise your registration with us, then, yeah, we'll cover you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think it's something that it's the right thing to do. And there's a very specific way that I illustrate that as well. We allow new owners, if people buy things secondhand, to also register for that. Wow. And that is pretty unusual. Yeah. Uh, And I understand completely why most people don't do that. Most companies don't do that. There's, There's good commercial reasons not to. But my attitude is, if a wheel's good then just because the person that owns it has changed, why does it suddenly stop being good? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, does it? There's no logic. If you really believe in your products and your guarantee, there is no logic in saying, well, because so the owner's changed, I'm no longer prepared to stand by that guarantee. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I do say, or the only thing we do say, is people need to tell us that they've bought the product. And you know there needs to be a formal process for that registration, because otherwise you've got a slightly chaotic environment in which to try and operate your business so that that that, that's the that's the uh that that, that's that's the sort of side of the bargain if i'll put it like that from owners that we look for yeah i think it's a pretty amazing thing to offer to be honest and you're right it does show that you're standing over your product and you're you're confident in your product and everything else yeah Uh, and i think it's brilliant and there is also there's there's an environmental point here as well um, there, there is an issue about carbon and recycling mm. and carbon isn't like steel where if you take your steel bike frame to the tip, the chances are, I mean, I mean the commercial, you know, refuse disposal, whatever the formal word is, um, mm. the chances are if you take your, your steel frame to that environment, it will get recycled and the chances are it will end up being something else. And we can't yet in the UK really do that with carbon. So I'm very keen that, because we're producing a product which has something to it, which isn't readily easily be able to be used again, we ought to carry on using it as long as we can. It's, it's, a, it's similar to the philosophy of if you're worried about the environment but you drive a car, it isn't the best thing to go and change your car to get one that is, in theory, lower emissions. In fact, the most environmentally friendly thing to do is probably to keep your car. And yeah. probably not to change it. Yeah. Because, because it uses 25 or 30 years of energy to make a new car it. or something like that. Totally, yeah. yeah. The, the whole embodied energy argument is one that is, to me, quite clear. So I'm not saying that that directly applies to what we're doing, but there's an element of that philosophy behind what I'm thinking. And yeah. that's why, for example, I'm, I'm quite keen at the moment on quite a lot of the insert products you can put inside your tyre. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've tested, well, all of the ones that are on the market that are names that anyone would recognize here. Um, and I, I think they're good products. And my attitude is if that's another thing that's going to mean that your wheel goes on and on and on for years and years and years, then, Hey, that's a really good thing to do. And yes, there's more embodied energy in producing another product as well as your tire and your stands fluid and your solution say stands and your your sealant fluid and you know everything else yes we are producing another product that goes with the wheel but if that means that 
you know, basically, I mean, my fear, my testing so far is the breakage rate is zero when you've got some of those inserts. I won't name names. Yeah, it's not, and, and not, this is like the this is like the foam insert that goes in. Yeah, yeah, and it's not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I happen to have a couple of favourites, but it's wrong for me to endorse what they are. No, well, you can. But, you don't. You, there's no. You can name <laughs> drop if you want. There's no. Uh, there's but, no advertising problem. Sure, here. but um, there. You know, so so far, no one, including our racers, our biggest aggressive riders, uh, me, when I'm trying to break things, we haven't managed to break a wheel <laughs> with mm-hmm. these insert products. And I, I think, I think they, yes, they have another layer of something you need to do when you're setting your bike up. But I, I think that they're they're a good product, and I think they've got a long, long way to go in terms of enhancing. But but the, the ride and the handling, because you can do all sorts of things with the tyres that you can't do if you're running one of these inserts. But I, I think as well they've got a real role to play in this whole ethos of you've got some wheels, you spent probably a good amount of money on them, mm-hmm. and you can keep them for a very long time because they're going to be good for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the, the environmental thing is an issue, to be honest. We're going to see more carbon product. Um do you think the likes of the bike brands making the carbon frames and everything else, do you think they're thinking of that environmental issue? I think they've got to. Uh, you, you see quite a lot of evidence around the world, not not just in the UK or in Europe or wherever we want to describe the bit of the world we live in. Um, you, you see it in the Far East as well. The environmental performance of these companies is, is under scrutiny. They have agencies that, that monitor their performance. They have enforcement agencies I've seen some fantastic examples of that happening in the Far East very, very recently of enforcement of environmental standards. Mm-hmm. So um, I, th- I think they haven't got a lot of choice. And I think as well they probably, like any big company globally, will have pressure from shareholders and owners as well and their customers to have at least regard to the environment, if not, if not you know, have it as a, an overriding input. Uh, so yeah, I I I, th- I think we'll see more of that. I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. And it's not all complete commerciality as well. People do have a responsibility and a sense of that responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. And well, if they don't have, then they often find if they're a, a big organisation that that will adversely affect their sales. Yeah, yeah. So can carbon be recycled at all, or is it just a no-no at the minute? Uh, I, I I don't know the definitive answer to that on a global stage but i do know here in the uk we have a lot of difficulty finding what to do if we had carbon that needed to be recycled um but because we're not making the rims ourselves we don't have that as a as a big big issue for us um Mm -hmm. i you know if if you're physically making carbon then the factories must produce waste which must be dealt with um and and i asked my factories about it and they've told me what they do and um you know I'm very content with what they're doing in, in accordance with the regulations and the environmental practices that they need to follow. Um, yeah. But equally, I feel this level of responsibility, which is what I was just saying about, it's got to be looked at as this is a good long-term permanent product that we're we're using. And um, and that, I think that that's why this car analogy of mine is a favourite one when I'm having this discussion with people, because I, I just think it's so true. If you've got that product and it carries on working and it's good, that's got to be a, a, a very effective way to think about your environmental performance and your and your impact on the environment. 
and it and it gets it's a, it's the it's the diametric opposite from a, a throwaway culture of you know buy that get next one don't worry about the old one. Yeah, yeah, and I think as as carbon's produced in larger demands, they're going to have to look at the environmental thing. It w- it will come to a stage you would think because I know back at home a lot of guys the guys that are riding all the time all the time and it's a massive passion for them they're maybe replacing bikes every two or three years now whether they're all riding carbon or not i don't know i don't think a large percentage of them will be but there will come a stage when they will be riding nothing but carbon so i think at that stage it may become a bit of an issue yeah i i I think it is already um Mm. I, i think plenty of people that change their bikes regularly will be selling them to other people so they'll carry on having a life Mm-hmm. Um, I think lots of your listeners will be people with multiple bikes who trade one bike in to get another one um, and I, I, I'd be surprised if lots of your listeners were throwing their bikes away very surprised <laughs> yeah, yeah. so they, they carry on having a life um, and that's where it comes down to the longevity of the product really and mm. you know if someone else is riding that bike and it might not be this year's model but it's still got lots of life left in it that's a great thing and it also comes back to this thing about bicycles are basically reasonably simple machines yeah. so you know if something's worn out on a bike it's not beyond the wit of man to to change that and repair it and you know have a new component if you need it so um mm-hmm. that, that, that's that's my take on it yeah and do you think you know it's funny because some people you know seem to be either in the carbon camp or they're not and people that aren't in the carbon camp, you'll always see them chatting about, no, well, if you get a chip on that or it cracks, that's the end of it and you have to throw it away. But can carbon actually be repaired? Yeah, and uh, I, I, I have someone very locally to me who who does exactly that. That's how he earns a living. Right. Oh, so it can be done at, and doesn't affect the the strength of the ride or anything? No, no. I mean, when he does frame repairs, of course... Uh, there's no question that they, it wouldn't be warranted because that's, I mean, that's a different matter, really, isn't it? That's to do mm-hmm. with, with how people run their warranties. But, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, the frame, I'm thinking particularly of a very recent example. The frame came back and you, you just couldn't see what had been done to it. And, and the guy that I'm thinking wow. about rides the frame and it's it's good as new. So Yeah, wow. And that saved throwing away, uh, I don't know, two and a half, three thousand quid full sauce frame. Yeah, exactly. So if it can be, you know, because there seems to be a big concern out there from people that once a carbon frame's chipped or cracked that that's the end of it you know and they're not going to spend like you say two or three or four grand on a frame and chip it you know six months down the line and that's the end of it yeah i, I mean let's just carry on using the example i've got in my head of this uh full sus frame that was repaired uh the repair that was required was around the bottom bracket and mm. you know I, i'm not a frame engineer but uh, I would have thought the bottom bracket has some of the biggest stresses. Yeah. Uh, and seriously, repair's great. It's good as new. Wow. And this is a guy with a reasonably small, uh, you know, business. It's not, he's not a big, huge organisation. And, um, yeah, it works. And he won't be the only person that's doing it. He just happens to be quite local to us. So uh, that's why I know about him. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, that's good to know there's guys like that out there and yeah. create more jobs, you know, the more frames get brought into them. Yeah, uh, but but then, uh, you know, for me, yes, carbon is the material for wheels because of its performance, but it's not the only material in town. And um, like I say, uh, I, 
my main hardtail is a, is a TI, and um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a carbon hardtail. There isn't, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not an exclusive. You've got to use carbon for as much as you can, uh, chat, because mm-hmm. my TI is beautiful. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, cool. All right. So, Graham, let's chat a wee bit about the products you offer um, with six element there. So you do 27.5 and 29 size drums, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So no old school 26 for a boy like me. <laughs> we have very occasionally done it. One of, one of the factories we use will make them, so... <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure there's not a great deal of uh, market out there for that anymore. I don't, th- uh, I don't think we've got any 26s in stock. <laughs> um, so can you tell us a wee bit about because you offer different widths and yeah stuff like sure that, don't you? yeah so i mean basically um we have three uh levels of of wheel that we offer uh, a classic uh, which is uh, our best-selling wheel um which is 38 external 32 internal for both the 27s and 29s um we also offer a 30 mil 24 internal version of that wheel under the classic um so that, that those are two different widths one's as you can guess essentially an xc type rim and the other one is mm-hmm. uh a hard trail enduro uh general riding rim uh the next step up we do a wheel called our race wheel uh and the name gives it away uh it's the wheel that people use who are racing uh enduro particularly but also people that are riding quite hard uh if you like the next level of seriousness if if that's a word that we can mm-hmm. use here um that rim is a bit narrower uh it's 34 external 28 internal uh that gives a slightly rounder profile to if you had a, if you had the same tire on the two say you had a 235 uh then the the race rim gives a slightly rounder profile so it means it it's slightly quicker rolling which is why right. it's on a race um the grip is still really good really phenomenal if you wanted ultimate grip you would go for the wider one because of the footprint but um, mm-hmm. that, that, that's why it's a race wheel. gives a bit more speed. Uh, the race rims also have an asymmetrical spoke pattern. If I just be boring wheel geek for a moment. Um, traditional spoke patterns with the spokes in the middle of the rim, of course, mean that the wheel isn't built with the same precise tension on both drive and non-drive side because a wheel isn't actually symmetrical. So mm-hmm. on a traditional spoke pattern, you tighten the spokes on the drive side a little bit more because you have to slightly pull the wheel over. With the asymmetrical design, which we have on the race, that offset is already built into the design of the rim. So mm. it, me- it means that the tensions on both sides are the same. So it builds, uh, we're talking about marginal differences, but it builds a marginally stronger wheel. And oh. and I wouldn't want anyone to think, oh, so that means the traditional spoke pattern's no good, because that isn't true. And the majority of wheels out there are traditional spoke patterns. Um, and they're fine. There's no problem with that. Um, and having a little bit more tension on one side than the other is not really a problem. But a bit like, I don't know if I can be a bit over the top in my analogy, a bit like a Formula One team. You're not looking at making your car twice as fast. You're making your car marginally fast. And sometimes those marginal gains are really very small, but they're still worth having. And the, mm-hmm. and the asymmetrical spoke pattern, in my view, is a good example of a marginal gain. It's not going to revolutionize anything but it's still worth having because it's a small gain that's worth having yeah um so we do we do do those that's the race wheel um and we do a couple of other wheels uh so sort of we can go thinner or fatter so if we go thinner first we do a wheel which is 28 mil external 23 internal 
with a very lightweight layup. Uh, the rim weighs less than 300 grams. The wheel set mm. weighs less than 1250 grams. Uh, that's a 29er XC wheel that we do. And we have a couple of riders who are Commonwealth Games Olympic standard of riding. Uh, they, they're on those wheels. We have uh, a rider uh, who, she's uh, from the UK originally, but she lives in Spain. She races national Spanish XC on those wheels. Very light, very fast. Uh, not for everyone, because you run mm-hmm. sort of, you know, probably maximum 2.25 time on it. Uh, but but that's our sort of, if you go down on the thinner range, as it were. And then going the other way on the on the barometer, uh, we do a wheel which is 46 wide, 40 internal, uh, which is ideal for the e-bike guys on their 2.8s. Yeah. Um, uh, so some people run it on uh, non-e-bikes as well. And you can run, I mean, you can run a 2.4, even a 2.35 on it. But it's ideal really for 2.6 or 2.8 or even a three-inch tyre. Um, mm. I, I have a pair of those uh, which I run 2.6s on on my 29 and a hardtail, but I run 275 2.6s on one of those 46s. So there's lots of numbers there. Um, and it gives a fantastic profile. It's great. Um, and just purely aesthetically, the wheel is stunning because you've got so much material to, to work with in terms of your decals. Uh, mm. it's, it makes a great statement. So, um, yeah, yeah, the rims do look do look great. Yeah, there, so. and and the, the forty six in particular is just just marvellous from that point of view. It's it's not it's mm. not for everyone, but um, it's I, I really like it. I'm a, I'm a big fan, uh, and yeah. it's probably not the wheel you want to try and win a enduro on, but um, <laughs> uh, you can have loads of fun on it. Yeah, cool. So, do you mind telling us what kind of price on average you're looking at for a set of wheels? Yeah, sure. So our classics are. Uh, just under a thousand pounds 997 and then that they go up according mainly to hub choice actually um okay so you know if you want your dt swisses you're adding just over 200 if you want your industry nines you're adding nearly 300 if you want your chris kings you're adding 500 those are slightly mm-hmm. round numbers the precise numbers on the website um but it gives people a feel for what they're talking about so uh, if, if, if i sort of just put it into really round numbers it's basically your start wheel set is a thousand pounds. Your flashy wheel set is fifteen hundred pounds. If I can put it like that, that sounds a bit yeah. non-technical, but um, you know, it gives you a good indication. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't need to go into the competition in detail, but anyone that has done their homework when they're looking at carbon wheels, which I'm sure everybody does, because it's a lot of money to spend, regardless of mm-hmm. which one you're having. Um, we're, we're basically, I think at the more reasonable end than most of the competition for comparable products, if I can put it in that way, without seeking yeah. to criticise the competition, which I'm not doing at all because it's their business and I'm sure they produce fabulous products, and that's great. Um, but but that, 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 that does sort of come back to part of my philosophy, which is when I realised how good carbon was as a, as a wheel solution and the ride, I also believed as part of that that people shouldn't have to pay the earth to to, uh, to to ride that sort of a product and that's part mm-hmm. of my philosophy and because we do everything in Manchester in terms of building it we can control those costs and um, it means we can control the prices in that fashion so no we're not the most expensive mm-hmm. um, but I think we're easily up there with the best of the competition yeah cool sounds good sounds good now let's chat a wee bit about spokes because you do use different spokes mm, yeah yeah so um, all the spokes we use are double butted, so that that's a sort of baseline for us. You, you can get 
spokes called plain gauge, which are the same width all the way down them. And there's nothing wrong with those. But double butted are lighter, but actually a bit stronger. There's more engineering gone into them, basically. Mm-hmm. You can imagine in a factory, it's easier to make a straight spoke than it is one that's been made to be thin in the middle, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all double butted across the range. Um, and basically, the classic wheel is built with, uh, as, if we use Sapim as an example, we use Sapim or DT spokes. Um, those are the two basically market leaders and, mm-hmm. uh, and they're, they're the two that feature on our site um so for you just for the sake of not having too many words in all of this uh jargon as it were uh, and product uh so the sapim spoke we use on the classic wheel is called the vase uh the spoke we use on the race wheel uh, perhaps com- potentially confusingly is called the d light <laughs> um and it's yeah. like a race spoke but it's lighter and it's a very clever bit of engineering because they've reduced the amount of material in it to make it lighter, but it is just as strong. So that, that's a really good spoke. I'm, we're a big fan of those spokes. Take some weight off, but the wheel is just as good, just as strong. Uh, and then for our top of the range wheel, our pro wheel, uh, although this is also available as an option on any of our wheels, because obviously everything's built to order. Uh, we use the bladed spoke, which is either the CX ray from Sapim or the DT uh, air light from dt um similar principle on both of them which is they're much lighter because they're they're flat bladed spokes there's a lot of material taken out of them and if i can be completely non-technical you take them out of the box and you think god these are like pipe cleaners they're not going to support anything but mm. but yet when you build them up into a wheel they build phenomenally strong responsive beautiful wheels really really nice um yeah but and they're not for everyone because they're quite expensive uh, you know, a spoke on its own is about three pounds. Wow. Um, but they produce, you know, basically wonderful wheels. So they're, mm. they're the right thing for us to use on our, our top of the range. And for some customers, they want us to use them on, uh, you know, other builds. And that's absolutely fine. We can do that. Mm-hmm. And what material are the spokes made out of? Uh, so so they're, they're, they're stainless steel. So, um, you know, yeah. they're, they're okay. good, strong material. But um, it's... It, it, it's, a, it's a bit horses for courses on the material and how much work is done to them. But I'm also very keen to say to people, there is, we do, I, I sort of used this phrase earlier, but there is a case in my view on spokes specifically for you get what you pay for. And uh, you're, you're paying for additional work and additional engineering and additional, uh, you know, process in the factory where they're made because um, it will start up out the same thing but um it, it means that uh you you are you are paying more money for a better product let me put it like that yeah yeah and it's interesting you know because you, you never really think think of the spokes as being something you should be really worrying about but obviously it makes a big difference to the overall wheel yeah and the nipples do as well yeah uh we, we unless people ask us to use alloy nipples we use brass because uh, they're tougher, they last a bit longer, they don't corrode. Uh, alloy is the right solution for some people um, because they are lighter, it, 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 physically a lighter material to use. So you'll take, you know, a few grams off your wheel set and for some people you can add all those few grams up and it makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, but we, we use brass nipples um, and uh, that, that, that does make a difference. Uh, you, you would make a huge difference to your wheels and the quality of your wheels and the longevity if you were to use spokes, uh, sorry, if you used nipples that were of an inferior quality. So we absolutely never 
uh, w- would consider using, you know, a cheaper nipple in order to reduce our costs or something like that. Because um, yeah. it's a very specific thing, and perhaps it sounds an odd thing to be enthusiastic about, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it does it does make a big difference and a big difference in longevity yeah. of the wheel. Certainly. Well, here's a question for you because I'm seeing more images of this kind of thing. Are we ever going to go back to the old kind of hubbed rims? You know, the old the old kind of mag rims? You know that style? Where you have three or four or five kind of big carbon spokes in your, <laughs> in your wheel? Maybe. I don't think it's for us. They're, no. they're, 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 yeah, there's... There's some different solutions on spokes, uh, and some people put the nipple inside the rim, for example. Um, some people have much thicker aluminium spokes. Uh, you know, so there's different solutions, and I'm sure they're all very good. Uh, they're, they're, mm. they're not solutions we have at the moment, and to be frank, they're not on our agenda at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, who knows? You know, I was talking earlier about need to forever look at what you might do next and how you might innovate. Um and yeah, may, maybe they would come on the agenda, but not at the moment for us. Mm, okay, cool. And so, if somebody's wanting to buy or considering buying a rim from yourselves, Graham, what should they really be thinking before they order, or you know, what should they be considering? It, fundamentally, it's what their riding style is, and where they ride, and how often, and what they're doing. Um, and I spend lots of my time. You'll have gathered by now. I'm very happy to talk about wheels the entirety yeah. of the moments I'm awake. Um, and I spend a lot of the time on the phone to customers, potential customers talking to them about what they ride and where and how often and what they want out of, out of the process. And, you know, we have a free phone number for a good reason. It is, it is free to ring us. And most mm-hmm. of the time when that number's rung, it will be answered by me happily talking about wheels. Um, and I'm quite keen to carry on doing that because, uh, even though I think we're reasonably priced, it's still quite a lot of money to spend on a bicycle component, and it's got to be the right one for people. Um, yeah. So, that, so if that's a bit non-specific, but I don't, I don't think there is a specific answer that says if you ride uh, trail centre in North Wales, you should have a classic wheel. You know. Mm. Uh, but if someone says, well, I do this sort of riding and that, and the occasional race here or the occasional uh, tyre change there then that, that's all very relevant to the sorts of wheels that's right for people. Mm. No, well, I think it's very good that you've mentioned that free phone number and that they can actually ring up and speak to you because that whole personal side of things in business is a wee bit lost nowadays. And I think with somebody spending that kind of money on, yeah, on rims yeah. and, and don't don't really know a lot about it, like, come on, let's face it, not a lot of people really know you know what they're spending and why they're spending that so to actually be able to speak to somebody that's in there yourself or somebody else that's building the rams i think that's very very important yeah and and the other thing that's really important is the role of our customers reaction amongst their friends amongst their Mm. riding buddies when they're at you know that trail center or that trailhead or whatever who have our wheels and talking to people about them um, because they're, they're, they're going to say the truth, aren't they? No one's going to stand there and say something they don't believe, because why would they? Mm-hmm. There's no incentive for them to do that. We don't, no. we, we don't pay people to go out and <laughs> try and convince people to buy things that saying things are not true. Uh, the customer recommendation side is is really, really important to us, uh, and it's all completely genuine because that's the way it works. People have got product, they like it, and they'll tell people, wow, this is good. 
I'm sure they'd tell people yeah. if it was bad as well. Yeah, I'm sure they would. And, you know, a lot of these people take it serious. And yeah. They, you know, they wouldn't be a bit shy and saying, no, that doesn't work. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, t- like, you know. as the phrase goes, life's too short to survive rubbish bikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. So um, your sponsored riders, well, it was Tom Bell, who's one of your sponsored yeah, yeah, riders sure. that put yeah. me in contact with you. Yeah. And I've also had Lynette Deacon on the show. Oh, um, who uses who uses your product um do they give you much feedback about it oh yeah yeah and that's really really important and to be frank that's part of the deal uh mm-hmm. when we have people who are supportive riders i mean uh, yeah nothing nothing's <laughs> there's no contractual obligation for them to give me x number of feedback items per week or anything silly but um uh, part of the deal when i'm talking to people that are proposing to be supportive riders is hey there's a degree by which you are, if I say lab rats, that's not quite correct. But, um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're performing a role which is helping us to improve and constantly improve our product. Um, mm. And Lynette and others, for example, had a view when we were looking at different tire, different rim widths as to where we should go with that. Um, and some of our supportive riders ride prototype wheels and that's mm. always really, really interesting. And I, I know, I'm sure they won't mind me saying this, I know they really enjoy doing that mm. um, because I give them a weird and wonderful and say, yeah, why don't you go and try this? And, um, you know, it, that works really, really well because they're, they're motivated to do that. They're motivated to ride it hard so that they're really testing it. And it, that's a million times better than me just putting them on my bikes and going out into the Beak District because those guys are riding far faster harder more cleverly than i ever will and so to have you know the support providers doing that as part of their responsibility if i can put it like that is for me really mm-hmm. really important and and it's, yeah. and it's good fun as well it's great to get their feedback and exactly you know yeah i think that's great that's a good way to do it actually very smart well it, it, it works well for them it works exceptionally well for us and uh, it, it's a great way for us to real world long-term test things and and mm-hmm. and there's also a real bottom line to this which is all the supportive riders all race and they're not going to race on products that they don't believe in simply because the race time is too valuable to them they're not going to risk really. turning up to an event having prepared trained got fit got to the event spent time and money and doubtless uh domestic grief no it's not fair but you know doing it um they're not going to risk that on a on a, an inferior product so um that's why it's really important to us to have people that are seriously racing yeah no i think it's very true and it's funny when i ask people that are um sponsored or that kind of thing you know they all say that you know i ask them how does that help you know and they all say it helps tremendously but they would still be racing if they weren't getting that help yeah yeah so like you say they're not going to use a, an inferior product just because they're getting something for free if you know what i mean well and you know and the the proof of that is uh we had we had a rider on our wheels bex perona who's in the ews um now bex has got uh, she's uh, none of this is secret so i'm happy to talk about it uh, she was a privateer for a few years and she rode our wheels as a privateer uh, she's, mm-hmm. she's now got a pro ride so of course she doesn't ride our wheels because she gets a a full uh you know supportive package and her, her new team 
Ibis aren't going to say, yeah, of course you can ride someone else's wheels. It's not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But Bex was always really uh, clear with me and any of your readers, right, sorry, listeners who know Bex will, will know this is what she's like. She was really clear with me. She wasn't going to buy something that was rubbish. She wasn't going to buy something that was inferior, uh, however much it was helping me, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, she, she did, she did those earlier years of her EWS career on our wheels and the feedback I got from her was tremendously helpful, important. And I, I think I'd be safe to say that she enjoyed riding the wheels. Uh, and the reason I think I'm safe saying that is because she didn't drop me. She didn't suddenly say, I've got a deal mm-hmm. from someone else. Uh, you know, she, she was doing tremendously well and she's doing even better now. She's got a pro ride, which is brilliant. And I'm, I'm really pleased for her. Awesome. That's great. That's great. So, Let's go and tell you about a wheel size to be at. What's your most popular size? Mm. Do you know what? It always was the 27s uh, in the Classic, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if when I look at the data at the end of our corporate year, uh, which is the, the end of October, I wouldn't be surprised if when we look at all the data, it's the 29s are maybe eclipsing the 27s. It's, yeah. uh, it, I don't know, it's difficult to say exactly because we sell lots of different things and uh you know uh, i i'm i'm not someone to say to someone you should have this because everyone else has got it but yeah, yeah. we sell a lot of 29s at the moment but we still send a lot of 27s um and our riders to do let's just think most of our races are probably on 29s this season but then we've got at least one uh who is going back to 27s having been on 29s so mm. hey ho Yes, yeah, interesting. I think it's going to continue for a long time. That to be. I think, yeah. I don't think I was going back to twenty sixes. I'm afraid. And 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 I, I, no. and I don't know if you've seen thirty sixes, but I don't think they're going to catch on. No, no, I doubt it. I doubt it. Well, listen, Graham. Thanks so much. I've taken up way too much uh, of your time today, and uh, you're busy in the background. How many people do you employ at the minute, just for uh, for instance? Uh, so we're four, four of us in the team. Yeah, awesome. So it's a good wee tight net team there. Yeah, and everyone knows what they're doing, and you know our social media person wouldn't presume to build wheels and uh, vice versa, no doubt. Uh-huh. Cool, cool, cool. So how can people best get in contact with you or keep up to date with what you're doing there? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it's, it's all a bit predictable, I'm afraid. Uh, we're very busy on social media, so you often see stuff on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter from us. Uh, we post... Uh, daily uh sometimes more than daily uh obviously the website is a good place to look at the product and uh what we're up to um and as always that free phone number is always there as is our email address which is simply build at sixth element co uk um and yeah you'll find us very responsive uh and as you can gather from the last hour or so i will talk wheels until the cows come out <laughs> cool and i'll put all the links and stuff on the show notes so people can get easy access thank you very to much you there. yeah um and what about events graham do you attend events yeah we so we, we sponsor uh and are involved in good deal of enduro racing in the uk um we do some of the uh big one-off events you know so we've, this year we've done malvern's and tweed love for example um mm-hmm. but you'll find us at the grassroots levels as well so we do pmba other end, which is North England. Uh, the other end of the country, we do Southern Enduro. Uh, we do the Muck Medan events up in Scotland. So, yep, yeah, you'll find us all over the UK. Um, haven't quite cracked. Uh, I need to work on this, going out and doing Spain and Italy in the sunshine, but hey. 
Mm. Maybe that'll be on next year's agenda. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, that's brilliant, Graham. Listen, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it, and I really enjoyed our chat. And I think it's fascinating because when people are talking about upgrading their bike, the wheels is one thing that they say you should upgrade first. It's one of those. Yeah. You know. You know. So I think it's very, very good to get you on. Let people know a wee bit more about your product and also about what goes into two rims and building rims and stuff. And it's just not as simple as one would think. You know. Well. Uh, like like anything that's going to be good, it's got to have some thought behind it. So um, yeah. no, thank, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. It's been great speaking to you. Have a great day there, and um, I'll let you get your lunch or whatever you're planning. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, great. Cheers. Bye. That's a wrap for episode 56, folks. And Graham, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really did appreciate chatting to you and learning a wee bit more about rims and about wheels and everything that goes into making a good rim and a good wheel. It's um, it's quite interesting. I'm a wee bit of a tire geek myself, so I do find that kind of thing interesting. So thanks so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I'll give you a wee bit more insight into upgrading your bike how it can help how you can ride better with carbon rims so why not check out graham's website all the info is on the show notes and if you want to find out a wee bit more about sixth element and about graham just go to the show notes and uh, you'll get all the links and there's some videos and stuff on there to give you a wee bit more access to what graham does and the kind of quality product that he produces there so please do that and um, i'm sure graham won't mind you giving him a phone if you have any questions about his product um, he's more than more than helpful there and he will definitely chat you through the different options that are available to you and what he feels is probably the best option for you so folks thanks for listening this week if you want to get more involved just go to mtb-tribe.com and you'll find out more information there you can subscribe you can get in contact with me via the website and i just want to give a shout out as well if you're on the website go to the resources page Ben from the Strength Factory has a new training course. It's a mobility course. So I've done something like this in the past myself. And um, if you go to the resources page on the website, you will see a link to his course. And um, it's a brilliant course. It'll get you more agile, get you stronger in the areas you need to be for when you're out on the trails on the bike. And, you know, and coming into the winter now, it's really good. I'm a great believer in getting into the gym you know at least a couple of times a week and working on your mobility you will find a big difference when you're on the bike it really does help so check that out it's very easy to follow it's all online there's videos and stuff that accompany it to show you the exercises and um, it's not expensive all the prices all the details are on the resources page of the website you can click a link there and it'll take you through to ben's page so give him a shout out he's a great guy he was on the podcast uh, a few episodes ago and his information has been really well received and it's one of the best podcasts that i have done so far as far as downloads go so obviously people are interested so give ben a shout out and see what he has to offer there and he's had lots of success lately he's had lots of his of his clients on podiums so he's doing something right so folks thanks for listening this week i appreciate it i appreciate you tuning in and i will speak to you next week for another mtv tribe podcast take care on the trails